everybody, and welcome back to Two Weird Didn't Watch, the show where we make fun of movies that we have not seen based on nothing but their weird descriptions. I'm Brantley. And I'm Albert. Brantley is going to kick things off for us. Brantley, what do you got? First up, we have Bl- The Blood Waters of Dr. Z. Oh, no. From 1971. I, I've seen this one, Brantley. Moving on. Thank you, MST3K. <laughs> well, then we have Island of the Fishmen. This one is, as far as I can remember, new to me. A.K.A. Island of Mutations, A.K.A. Something's Waiting in the Dark. You know, that last one doesn't sound like the first two. I know, right? It doesn't let you know that there's an island, right? Like, (laughs) apparently they did, it was one of those, like, global rollouts in some areas of the globe were like, islands, I don't know about that. And they're like, how do you feel about low light levels? And they're like, oh, great. Sign me up for that. Except for the, that, uh, you know, Alaska market didn't do well there. <laughs> it is the year ni- 1891. The far off future of 18... Wait, no. It's yes. The far off past. The far off future of 1891. And the military doctor, Lieutenant Claude de Ross, a survivor of not one, but two shipwrecks. This guy's great. Yeah, this guy needs to, like, after the first one. Like, that's not on him. The second one... Maybe you're doing a bad job of picking your transportation. Yeah, so he washes ashore on a mysterious, uncharted Caribbean island, along with a handf- handful of convicts. So he's not going to have a good time. Nope, like, nope. Off the bat. Unless these are all white-collar criminals, like, hey, we're going to work together to survive. Maybe they'll get our attendance knocked down. He's not going to have a good time. When several of these convicts meet unfortunate ends at the hands of the titular fishmen, Claude and the other survivors flee into the jungle only to encounter the sadistic Edmund Rockham and his beautiful captive, Amanda Marvin. Okay. Do do you know what year this came out? This came out in 1979. So this was somebody who said, listen, I've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, <laughs> and I've got the idea we're going to have more than one creature, and they're going to be in the ocean. How about that, y'all? It's going to be an island of them. Amanda's father, Professor Ernest Marvin, a once-famed biologist, has discovered a way to transform humans into amphibious creatures and controls their every move. Oh, so this is like... He's making the creature. Yeah. In the ocean. And controlling them. Hmm. So it's like zombies, like classic zombies, but they're fishmen. Yeah. And it takes place in 1871? 1891? Oh, right. Okay. Very different. Yes. I guess, I don't know. They had invented sliced bread by 1891, hadn't they? Do you think Betty White was born before 1891? Because she's older than sliced bread. No, she's not. Yes, she is. Like, not just the concept of slicing it, but pre-sliced bread in stores. She is literally older than it. Oh, man. I thought it was the Chicago World's Fair in, like, in like 1900. You're correct. It was eight. It was 1928. Yep. I'm on the Wikipedia page for sliced bread now. Bringing you epic action. We can't actually cover Wikipedia, apparently. That might be a different podcast, but you guys could check this out. (laughs) There is, I do have to mention, uh, for the picture of sliced bread, someone has taken a loaf of sliced bread and placed it in a weird bamboo basket on Wikipedia, which I don't think is how anybody has ever consumed sliced bread. Like, it's in a bag, guys. Rocket manipulates Marvin into performing the procedure upon both willing and unwilling participants by assuring him that his work is undertaken for purely scientific and humanitarian motives. 
You know, yeah, this sounds like 1891. Marvin hopes to reduce the strain on the world food supply by creating a race of people <laughs> who can live in the resource-untapped ocean. Yeah, this, I gotta say, first of all, in 1891, the idea that we were overpopulating the planet, I know that it was out there, but it still seems like, wow, this guy is so far ahead of his time. And secondly, like... His evil villain plan is not to destroy the world, right? Which I think most... There there are people who actually want there to be fewer humans in the world who think, like, you know, if we all stopped reproducing, it wouldn't be that bad. And yet, when they have a villain in a movie doing that, it's just kind of a lame cardboard cutout motivation. Yeah. I've seen at least two Mission Impossible movies where that seemed to be the motivation, where he, they were just like... Man, the world, too many people, gonna kill a bunch of them. And Tom Cruise is like, no, I'm gonna stop you. Tom Cruise hates overpop or loves overpopulation. Wait, which one? I lost, anyway, train of thought, missed. This guy is like- All I know is that Tom Cruise hates mummies. <laughs> he sure did tank their franchise. <laughs> but no, this guy's like, we're not gonna kill anybody. We're just gonna turn everybody into fishmen, because look how much ocean there is. Everybody will have enough food. There's nothing that anybody could put in the ocean that could permanently damage that ecosystem and live in the digestive tracts of fish forever. So this is a foolproof plan. I mean, it's 1891. The plastic problem wasn't really as big an issue. I don't think there were islands of plastic yet. Yeah, that's that's why I'm yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that. Yes, okay. that's what I'm saying. We're still going with the same movie, by the way. I'm, I'm on board. Because having discovered the lost city of Atlantis beneath the water surrounding the island, however... Rockham is in actuality using the half-human monsters to plunder the lost city of its treasures. You know, I liked it better <laughs> when he had a crazy ecological... No, no, that's, that's the doctor. Rockham is manipulating him to make him more fish henchmen that he can use to plunder Atlantis. Okay, so I'm, I've lost track of everybody's names. Rockham washed up on this island. No, that was Ross, Claude D. Ross. Who found Rockham and the Doctor? He found Rockham and the Doctor's daughter in the jungle. And the Doctor was already making these fishmen just on his own? He's making fishmen to save the world, and then this dude's like, hey, they can rob for me underwater. Does he have, like, the control panel? I don't know what you would... They're controlling the fishmen somehow, and he does have the dude's daughter, but is telling him that it's just for scientific means... I'm confused about everybody's motivations. Like, this guy doesn't need Rockham to be... Rockham wants money. That's all he wants. Right, yes. But the doctor doesn't need to be conned into making fishmen. He already has a good reason. I mean, I think it's... He's trying to keep him going to make more. Okay. So he doesn't know that he's using them to plunder Atlantis. Also, does the doctor not know that Atlantis is just, like, right there? He just happened to pick this island to make fish people hunt? It was a wild Or is it like lost Atlantean technology he repurposed? I have to say, I don't know if we're going to get to any of my stuff that I have, but I was looking around and just through happenstance and IMDb sort of related movies, I have so many Atlantis related movies on my list right now. You have no idea. People have a big fan, are big fans of that. Yes. We need other sunken cities. Uh, there's the Lost Kanamu. Just spelled M-U. It shows up in a Gamera movie and a Mothra movie. Mostly in Japan. Okay. Um, and then there's a few others. But mostly it's just Atlantis. Like, At least Godzilla, though. Like, over in Japan, they're doing something with Planet X. 
or like the, rogue planets. The M-Nebula, or the M-Nebula aliens. And the black hole aliens, which I don't know what that means. All of them look like humans with weird hats. Uh, one. Some of them were monkeys, and the ones from Planet X were actually bug people in human suits. Who never blinks. <laughs> Is that the them. one where the guy had the toy that made the loud noise? And that was the, how they won? Godzilla didn't bite people. He just had a toy that made a noise that annoyed them. I think that was the monkey people. <laughs> the, the bug ones were from uh, Final Wars, which was just Godzilla beats up the entire planet. Godzilla for 20 is so minutes. weird. It's a dumb series, and I love it. Anyways, back to the movie. Yes. Shakira, <laughs> a voodoo priestess and the employee of Rockham, just has a voodoo priestess. I, or, well, no, I've got to say, that actually tracks. Because unless they have some ridiculous i mean again control panels would not be in 1891 you've got maybe some like spark generators that you could throw in like a frankenstein movie but there's no way that you could realistically portray these guys controlling the fishmen unless it's with voodoo it's with voodoo right magic makes sense we already established that it's very much like classical zombies Mm -hmm. which are created with voodoo that's fair I'm I'm actually like I like this. Anyways, so Shakira foretells death and destruction descending upon the island. I mean, yeah, <laughs> okay, not I. I Far-reaching seems... planning for global warning in this movie. No, I think she's just like you guys are gonna like blow something up. I can tell. I think it's more like you're making fish people, which I am controlling, but this and you keep making more, and I can only do so much. Maybe stop. Also, people are showing up that might not be down with turning people into fishmen. The priestess prophecy is fulfilled as the film ends with Claude and Amanda attempting an escape from a gun-wielding Rockham, a crazed Shakira, uncontrolled fishmen, and the very volcano that doomed Atlantis, which awakens and threatens to send what unsubmerged landmass remains to into oblivion. Okay. So everything could, that could go wrong goes wrong by the end of this movie. I wonder if anybody gets to keep any gold. You think it's going to be like the end of the uh, first Brenner Fisher mummy where there's like, well, we barely survived. We didn't get much out of it, and it's just like a chunk, chest of gold they don't notice as they drive away on a boat. Oh, I was thinking, like, no, like, the Sip good the guys, like, have, like, some gold coins in their pockets, which is not anywhere near the scope of the bad guys' haul, but still enough to make like, them Like, he has, like, some fishing wealthy. trolleys full of gold, and they get, like, a boat. Yeah, yeah. That's how I think it goes down. Okay. That well, is obviously the end of that movie. <laughs> well, so I'm curious... They, I, I can't, now that we're thinking about Atlantis, I've got my wires crossed with the new Aquaman movie, which I have not seen, by the way, but, like, that has Atlantis, and it's inhabited by fish people. Do you think that these fish people are going down there meeting, like, native Atlantean fish people? And by the way, in the mythology of Aquaman, were the gods, like, really annoyed that they sank Atlantis and then the Atlanteans learned how to breathe underwater and they're like, hmm. The gods didn't sink Atlantis in, Atlant- in Aquaman. Okay. It was a superpowered sorcerer who just got pissed at Atlantis and just smacked it with a staff and sunk it below the ocean. And they somehow became able to breathe underwater. I'm not really sure on that I was going to say, a superpowered sorcerer that can sink an entire city, for the purposes of ancient peoples at least, might as well be a god. Yeah. What do we got next? Up next, we have Amphibian Man from 1961. You and I are on such similar wavelengths right now. We are going to have You just loaned me The Shape of Water, and I watched it. 
It's good stuff, huh? It had a uh, bit of an impression, yes. Also, it was surprisingly annoying to find movies with Fishman that weren't like Turtles or something. Those are not fish. Really? I've never seen a Turtle Man movie. Uh, it Except was... for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Don't write in, yes. please. <laughs> it was a short film that's it's like 20 minutes and it's just like a chase scene between the monster and a woman. It's really dude trying to get a Kickstarter to get the movie going itself. Has really good special effects, but there's like no dialogue. So there's not really plot. It's just man, man, man who is turtle chases woman. He chases woman because she got in his area or something. Or he's into her because it's like every every one of these is a ripoff of Creature from the Black Lagoon. I may have filtered some things that took that too far. <laughs> not like out of the descriptions, but I filtered movies out. Oh, okay. Roger Corman, calm down. Anyways, the story is set in a seaside port in Argentina, largely among a community of pearl fishers. Which, you know, I don't see a lot of movies involving them, so good for that. Yeah, that's a cool little, uh, I'm going to say a twist, but, like, you don't see that that I don't often. even want to say gimmick, but just... A plot element. Quirk. Right, like, that's a, that's a good thing for a writer to do, to bring some element of culture or something to the audience that they haven't heard of especially yeah. if they do it in a way that is accurate like they're not just making something up yeah. about you know the far distant east or whatever the protagonist is the adopted son of a doctor slash scientist who sometimes sometime in the past force was forced to save the boy's life by implanting him with shark gills okay okay yeah first of all i've forgotten the title already amphibian man it, Which he is not a scientific amphibian, but he is amphibious. I finished reading Steve Alton's Shark Man. Yeah. And I do want to say I'm disappointed that this movie didn't take the title of that and then the idea also off the table for Steve Alton. <laughs> because, man, was that not great. All right. So he has shark kills. Thus, he is able to live underwater, but yes. must keep his secret from the world. Why? He's a superhero? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's afraid of getting cut open, but it'd be like, my dad, who's a doctor slash scientist. <laughs> I love the slash Slash Mary Kay salesman. Like, he has a medical very degree, versatile. but he doesn't have a doctorate in any scientific field, so he's like, I'm not that kind of doctor. I am. I do have a medical license, but I really am real big into biology. Also... Yeah, no, I just don't. I don't buy that he has to keep his identity a secret. It's so dumb. And he's amphibious, right? He doesn't need to go in the water. I mean, he's among pearl fishers, so he could do really good at that. Oh yeah, okay. That good point. Good way to bring it back around. That does make sense. All right. So the conflict arises from his falling in love with a pearl fisher's beautiful daughter. Why? He can make this dude so much money. I yeah. It's like future dad-in-law. See this? I know it's weird, but it was added to me by my dad who's a doctor slash scientist, so I can get all the pearls you want. I can be down there for hours. Days. It was weird that, like, a very young Kevin Costner showed up in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> like, playing the father slash scientist slash doctor, holding up his hand like, no, son, you must not save me from the sharks. I was going more for the fact that he was in Waterworld and had gills in that, but yeah. Or that. <laughs> yes. It really works both ways, yeah. doesn't it? He plays both characters. It's a great uh, double role for him. His secret is discovered, and the girl's stern father attempts to exploit Ichthyander for his ability. His name is Ichthyander, by the way. Okay, Which that's is... amazing. Secondly, just no? 
Like he can swim away. What are you gonna do to him? But then he won't be able to be with his daughter, with the guy's daughter, who he's in love with, because he's a fish man, and they fall in love with the first pretty girl they see, like hard to the point of chasing them to death. Okay, I was at the beginning there. I was gonna say that's you know not that uncommon. Due to being kept caged underwater, all right. See now we're getting real bad. <laughs> his ability to breathe in the open air is affected, and he must now permanently live in the sea, at at least for several years. So, like, this is the reverse Little Mermaid. Like, everything, it's not just gender flipped. It's like the whole plot is yeah. reversed. He has <laughs> legs and, and and a voice. And then he loses, I mean, he probably can't talk because he can't go Oh, that's breathe. a good point. I, so he loses his ability to talk. And he goes now. in the water and learns how to talk. But he can't get out of the water. Although set free, the lovers are permanently separated from each other, which is a downer. She can, wait, Why? She can swim. Yeah, but she doesn't have gills. He could... I guess her dad, his dad could give her kills. It would only work that one time for some reason. I mean, maybe he died at some point, and it's not mentioned. There's a mutant shark. Or he's just like, look, son, it's it's hard enough keeping you a secret, and you failed after you met one girl. I'm not giving more people lungs. Is that the end? Yeah. It's just ends sadly. so sad. <laughs> that It literally is the reverse Little Mermaid. Yeah. I mean, not really. Like, the actual story, she doesn't get the dude. Yeah, that's Except true. Except in that one, it's just he found someone else and she just dies. She gives up what is of, like, makes her special. And then when it's gone, the guy's not interested anymore. It's sort of a virginity myth, kind of, I think, anyway. And or don't change yourself to be with someone. That's also a little more optimistic. And maybe more modern take on it. Yeah. Is that it, Brantley? That's it for that movie. Okay. Finally, we have Humanoids from the Deep. Which is the one I was most worried about you haven't seen. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Okay. It's got a great score by one of my favorite composers who also composed The Rocketeer and whose name I'm blanking on. He also did... Ride of the Fire Mares from the Crawl... Daggum! Hold up. James Horner. Yes, one of his very early works, he teamed up and, like, made a pretty memorable score for Humanoids from the Deep, a very bad movie with a decent <laughs> score from a guy I mean, who would go on to do great things. It is a made-for-TV movie, so... Is it really? Yeah. I have to say, it's not like the... Wait a minute, is it really? I mean, there's the 1981 and the 1996 one. I'm talking about the 1981. Are you talking about the 1996 one? Because I can listen to that. I haven't seen that one. I mean, I had the uh, 81 prepared. Okay. I mean, I have the one for 996, but it's really short, so we can just do this real quick if you want. I'm just like, there's a lot of, like, nudity in the 1981, which I don't think would fly on TV at the time, at least not normal TV. No, the 96 one is the TV movie. Okay. Yeah, the tagline is, they're not human, but they hunt human women. Not for killing. Yep. For mating. Yep. Because, again, it's a Fishman movie. I like how they're like, they they got to that second line, they hunt for human women, they're like, I wonder if we implied enough sexy times here. I mean, hunting is, I mean, they're fish people, they could just be eating if people haven't seen a fish movie before, or a fish movie. Okay. Anyone who's seen one knows that, they're, oh, they're gonna, there's the sexy times. What do you think that is? Creature of the Black Lagoon. Okay. Which comes from the Wolfman, which comes from Frankenstein. No, I know, but, so, like, in Creature, it's 
I mean, it's explicit, but it's not explicit. It's not like gross. It's just sort of like he's a fish man, and I mean, again, it starts. It starts mostly with the Wolf Man, where it's this tragic monster who is also in love with the female lead, and then they just kind of reuse a bit of that for a creature, but he doesn't have the transformation, so it's just the Fish Man monster. And then as we go, we try to push the envelope more and more, and becomes more explicit. Same with the gore and the violence, and the okay. cursing. Fair enough. And then finally we get Shape of Water, which takes all of that and deconstructs it and includes it. And now we basically can't ever have a Fishman movie again because, like, it's it's reached its peak. Nah, we can have another one. Since I've seen Humanoids from the Deep, I will finish us... And the Bloodwaters of Dr. Z. Yes. I will finish us out with a Fishman movie that was the first one that I picked today, Octoman. No, see, that's Aquaman. No, nope. very Oct- famous DC superhero. No, no, no. You're thinking of Doctor Octopus. Oh, that's. But this is actually, despite the fact that that is another fish-based character in another universe, that's not who we're talking about either. No, it's Octaman. O C T A M A N. So it's eight men. Yes, yes, it's eight guys, and then they come together, and all of their powers combined make Captain Planet. I was thinking more of Eight Man, but that works too. Who's Eight Man? Eight Man is a Japanese. It's Japanese Robocop. <laughs> Came what? out before Robocop. He's eight people? No, he's just he's the eighth robot. The scientist that made him made. So oh. he's Eight Man. <laughs> I like my idea better. Where it's like the reverse Multiple Man. Where it's like a bunch of people, but they can only have superpowers when they're squished together into one body. That's how uh, Shazam works in the Flashpoint universe. He's five kids, and they have to say jam together, and they fuse together into one. That's awful and amazing. I love it. I'm glad somebody else is on this wavelength with me. Yeah, that's a dark movie slash comic book series. All right, Octoman. A scientific expedition to a remote fishing village discovers high levels of radiation, as well as a strange mutant-like small octopus that walks on land and has bizarre human-like eyes. Have these people never seen an octopus? Uh, well, they don't normally walk on land. They can easily come on land. They can climb trees, and they have very human-looking eyes. I didn't say can't. Like, I just don't think that they're as comfortable on land. I, I mean, could be wrong about that. They are uh, more... They're very easy to dry out, so no, but they can easily climb. The mu- The human-like eyes reminds me of a bit from the book Annihilation, and I think it shows up a little bit in the movie, too, where... The, like, people who go into the Shimmer become absorbed by it. They become part of it. So there are, like, dolphins swimming around that have regular human eyes because they were people who just turned into dolphins because of the Shimmer Mm. and various other things. And that's where my brain goes from that one. Well, there are no dolphins in the movie. The leader of the expedition teams up with a circus owner who wants to exploit the weird creature. You know, standard King Kong plot, but, you know, smaller. Also showed up in Godzilla the series, and that was interesting. But trouble ensues when the two men discover their crew has been slaughtered, and the mutant is missing. So, either the mutant killed them, or somebody came in, like Jason, decided he wanted a pet octopus, and slaughtered all the crew. (laughs) Just picture him bringing it home to his mom. And just staring at it because he can't talk, but it's trying to have the whole, like, it followed me home, can I keep a conversation? It's just him staring at his mom's head holding an octopus. And she's just screeching at him, Jason! 
Get that octopus out of my house right now! And he just, like, wanders off sad and kills Is a teenager. Is Jason technically a fish man? No, he's a zombie. But he lives in the lake. He, I guess he needs to breathe most of the time. He doesn't live in the lake. He just keeps getting killed and put back in the lake. Uh, he drowned in the lake as a kid, then he was hung in the lake, then he got his face chopped up in a propeller while he was hanging in the lake. And then he just kind of fell in the lake at the end of Freddy vs. Jason. I think we need to make him an honorary fish man. And then in Jason Eck, he falls in the lake as a meteor, but it's a different lake this time. Oh, man. I never watched to the end of that, but that, that everything, if you just describe that movie to me, it sounds amazing. It's just not watchable by me. I mean, I first, it was, I first saw it on the sci-fi channel, and if you didn't, if it didn't say the word Jason, it would just be a sci-fi channel movie. Yeah. <laughs> that happened to have an immortal killer man. Tales from the villagers come to light, describing the local legend of a half-man, half-sea serpent. Which is not an octopus. No. But what the expedition finds is an astounding seven foot tall walking octopus that has a lust for human blood. Oh, okay. That's different. Yeah, I know. I let that sort of hang there because we've been on a different kick this whole time. Now the hunters have become the hunted and the race is on. Who will survive and what will be left of them? I mean, it's a monster movie, so the male lead, the female lead, maybe the rival, though he's likely to die, and then one or two secondary characters, and the monster will die and probably be tragic about it. Yes. I, I, I want to point out I'm covering this because the Rift Tracks people are doing a Rift Tracks Live of this movie later on in the mm-hmm. year, and I definitely will be seeing it, which is what got me started on my weird Fishman kick, apparently. <laughs> this was the first one in the chain that took me down the rabbit hole to many, many fishmen. But that'll be till next time, because that's all we got for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this, tell a friend about us. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already, and we'll see you guys next time with more Too Weird Didn't Watch. Bye, guys. Bye.